Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. Well, good morning. If you knew I was speaking, you probably wouldn't have been here, but it sucks to be you. You didn't know. That's how I get them. Um, yeah, so I've had this on my heart for a little while, so I wanted to talk about it. Um, this is something that I feel was kind of highlighted by COVID and the world shutting down. Um, so for a little bit now, we've noticed more than before. It might, yeah. Okay, that joke went over as well as I thought it would. So, <laughs> so today I'm going to be talking about getting involved. Um, a fair warning for all of you. I'm not the pastor, and I'm not empathetic like he is. This is probably going to throw some conviction. It was convicting me while I was writing it, so I hope it convicts you, because... All's fair in love and war. The title of today's sermon is going to be, Show Me Your Faith. And no, that's not a trick question or a trick comment. Uh, I want you to actually show me your faith, and that does tie in with volunteering for children's ministries. We're going to start off with James 2, 14 to 17. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also by faith, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Is your faith dead? Can you prove to me that your faith is alive? What works can you point to to point to me that I know that your work is alive and well? If you can't point to something now that you're saying, hey, I'm doing this for the Lord and he is working through me, I question if your faith is dead. And that's not a spot you want to be in. Starting hard and heavy. John 15, 1-2. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So if you've ever gardened, and for those of you who haven't, it's pretty simple. Um, there are things called suckers. They basically will grow on a fruit or a vine, and they will suck the nutrients away from the fruit you are trying to grow. They will cause the nutrients to go to something that is not useful. The only thing to do with those is to cut them off, and then typically you burn them. If you are coming to church on a Sunday morning and you are being fed but you are not returning that favor by feeding back into your church, you are essentially a sucker plant. Again, not a thing you want to be. I told you I was hitting hard and heavy. So show me your faith. How can you without works? You can't. James 2.18, continuing on from the verse we started with. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. There is no good way to show me your faith without pointing to works. You can just say, oh, I have faith. The demons believe in God. You believe in God. That means nothing to me. Without works, your faith is dead. Okay, I think I drove that point home enough, maybe. Okay, so you tell me you can point to works outside of the church. You're volunteering at a soup kitchen. That's great. I don't want to discount that. 
but there is something about being involved in your local church, feeding back into your local church that is equally as important and that is necessary for your faith. Lots of this church's ministries don't happen in these four walls. We have lots of people doing lots of things outside of the church, but they are under the leadership of the church and under the guidance of the church elders. So why is that so important? In Romans 13, 1 to 3, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Leadership is from God, and every soul should be subject to authority. If you have a problem with authority, check yourself. <laughs> That's not a good position to be in. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. If you have a problem with following authority or having authority over the things that you are doing, where, what are your works? Authority over you, especially God-given authority, is going to help you do good things. It's not going to hinder you in doing evil things. It's going to hinder you in doing evil things. It's going to help you do good things. We'll get there. If your issue is having someone over you that is leading you and guiding you in the way that you should go and you are having trouble with that, one, make sure they're godly. But if they are, if it's the church and you are having issue, you need to check what you're doing and where your heart is at. Are you doing this to be in the limelight? Or are you doing this because you want to see God work through you? Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Leadership, especially within the local church, is there to support you. The elders, the pastors, the leadership of the church wants to help you, and not just with, we'll pray for you, and that's very important, but not just that way. We want to help you financially. We want to help you with personnel. We want to help you get the word out there by what you're doing. If you are doing a good work, we want to support you. We want to back you up on that. But you need to be under, willing to be under the leadership of the church to do that. And again, if you're not willing to be under the leadership of the church, why? Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Church is really easy to miss. This is a bit of a side tangent, but I really like it. Church is really easy to miss. Just snooze through your alarm. Just wake up 20 minutes later. Ah, I'll catch it online. You know what's harder to miss? When you're supposed to be here doing something. When you're being counted on to fill a position on a Sunday morning and you're expected to be here to help greet people, to help with the ushers, to help with the tech team, to help on worship, to help in Sunday school, whatever it is, it's way harder to sleep through that alarm, hopefully. And you're way more likely to be here. If you have trouble being to church on a regular basis, volunteer for something. You'll be here. On top of that, so much more as you see the day approaching. I hate, well, I shouldn't say that. 
I'm excited that the day is approaching, but also I'm young and I just got married and like I want to raise kids and stuff, so that kind of sucks for me. <laughs> but the day is approaching and that is clear. If you don't realize the day is approaching, um, talk to somebody. They'll fill you in on it. It's coming. You do not want to be left behind. Which brings us back to, is your faith dead? Because if your faith is dead, this is a terrible time for that. He could be coming this morning. We have no idea. Everything's in place. All right. So we know we need works. Works. What are they? What do works actually look like? One of my favorite examples of this that I found is Paul. In Galatians 2.8, I'm going to read out of the NIV. It might not be up in NIV, but I like it better. So, For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me, Paul, as an apostle to the Gentiles. I'm going to venture out on a limb and say 99% of you are going to know the story of Paul, so I'm not going to go through all of it. But Paul basically created the position that he's in. Nobody else was out there preaching to the Gentiles. He was the first one to go out and say, they need the word of God too. I'm going to be the one to fill that role. I'm going to create that position. I'm going to go out and make sure they hear the word. And maybe because I was naive, and maybe just because I was a kid, but growing up, I always thought Paul was this guy that just like took the torch and ran out and like lit a whole bunch of fires on his own and was like, I'm just going to go and get everybody saved and then never reported back. <laughs> And that's not really accurate. It's very clear that Paul was willing and was under the authority of not just the church as a whole that was headed in Jerusalem, but each local church that he was helping and starting. He was under the leadership of theirs as well. Acts 15, 1-4 is the perfect example of that. Certain men came down from Judea, Judea and taught the brethren... Unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, which I love to picture in just like a yelling match going on, because <laughs> that's probably how it was, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So right off the hop, we see Paul is under the authority of the church in Jerusalem. Just because he's out starting all these other churches among the Gentiles and he's traveling the Roman Empire, he is still under the authority and under the leadership of the, Rome, of the church in Jerusalem, the head of the church. He is under the apostles. So, being sent on their way by the church, the local church there, and again, under the local church as well, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. They are not just going and saying, hey, we had this disagreement, and we want you to sort it for us, and then we're off on our way. They came back and reported all things that God was doing through them. Which leads me to say, Paul was not just off on his own, doing his own thing outside of the church. He was very clearly constantly in communication with the Jerusalem church as often as he could be, responding and reporting to the apostles and making sure that he was still in line. 
Another fun example, in Acts, Acts 6, 1 to 3. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, who were Greek-speaking Jews, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The apostles were trying to run everything. This, this is my take on it. The apostles were trying to run everything. And they couldn't. They're leaving out these people who are Greek-speaking Jews at the time would have been outcasts. That's the call of the church. Handle the outcasts. And the apostles were missing the mark because they couldn't keep up. They had too many things going on. So when the complaint came, they said, okay, well, let's set people over this. So they select seven men that they're going to put over this. And these seven men are not in a glamorous position. For all intents and purposes, they're running the admin side of a soup kitchen. They're not even the guys out serving the soup. They're just running the admin side. They're just in the back, punching numbers, <laughs> making sure they've got everybody addresses down. That is not a job that you're going to see. That is not a job you're going to hear about on a regular basis of the clerk in the back that's doing all the back work. But it is just as important as the apostle, and if you keep reading, you'll see why. Each of these men are mentioned by name, all seven of them. One of them is Stephen, who becomes the first martyr. If that doesn't speak to the volume and the emphasis that God is putting on this, I don't know what does. Not every job is glamorous. It also allowed the apostles to continue doing what they needed to do, which wasn't dealing with the admin side of a soup kitchen. They were called to something different. Continue on reading in Acts 6, 4-7. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's the apostles. They no longer have to deal with this. They can focus on what their original calling was. This saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man of, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon. I'm butchering these names. Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid hands on them. And now highlight verse 7. Grab your little highlighter on your phone. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. This immediately follows the names of the seven. And there's a reason for it. It's because it's a direct correlation. Seven men go and start running the admin side of a soup kitchen, and the number of the disciples greatly increased. Not like, oh, we saved seven more people. No, greatly increased, because people were able to step back into the roles that they were supposed to be doing. People stepped up to step into the roles to fill the gaps that needed to be filled, and a great number of disciples were added. Okay, so where do we fit? Where are you being called? And you're not going to like this. <laughs> I hear a lot of people say, I'm waiting on my calling. Nope. 99% of us, give or take, 
are not going to hear the audible voice of God. You already have your calling. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. I'm not saying you can't be called by the voice of God, okay? There are plenty of people and plenty of times that you are going to hear an audible voice. But if that is what you are waiting on to hear, to get involved in the church in some way or form, you... (laughs) You are using God as a crutch. You are using the voice of God as your escape to avoid working in the church. And that is, that's scary. You are already being given gifts and talents. You have already been given these things to get working. If you aren't willing to step out and use the talents that you already have, God's not going to bless you with more. You are, the, you are the servant who went and buried his talent in the ground, and that's going to get pulled away from you too. You have talents, you have skills, you have gifts that you can be using, and if you're not, wake up. Acts 6 to 7. The word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great number of priests were obedient to the faith. Your skills and gifts may not be going out on the street and preaching. It may not be coming up here and speaking. I don't want to be here. (laughs) I'm much happier in the back. Your skills, your talents, your calling is not necessarily something flashy. It might be cleaning toilets. That needs to happen. If somebody's not cleaning the toilets, nobody wants to come in because it's going to smell disgusting. That is just as important as someone coming up here and speaking on a Sunday morning. Your gifts, your skills, your talents, don't be looking at like, oh, I can't do public speaking. Oh, I'm not good with tech. Oh, I, I can't play the piano. So? That's not what you're being called to do. Maybe you're being called to go clean up after a fellowship hall happens. You're allowing people to engage in fellowship to build connections by cleaning up after. Maybe you're setting up tables before. Whatever it is, you have a calling, you have skills, you have gifts. You need to put them into action. So where do I belong? Romans 12, 4 to 6. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So I'm going to compare the church to a company, which I know Dave loves. When you go to McDonald's and you order a hamburger, you interact with one person, if that, if you don't do a mobile order. (laughs) You're going to interact with a cashier. There are thousands of people involved in getting you that hamburger even though the only person you interact with is that one cashier. When people come into church, they may only interact with one or two people. When a new person's coming in, they might just interact with the greeter at the front. But if there's not somebody making sure the lights are turned on, making sure the doors are unlocked, making sure the church is clean, making sure the chairs are in the right spot, making sure that worship gets run correctly, it doesn't matter. You could walk up to a McDonald's cashier, and if that was the only person in the store, you're not getting your hamburger. For an $8 hamburger. (laughs) 
So, within the church, we have lots of different positions. We have the people you see on a regular basis, the Sunday school teachers, the speakers, the worship team, the greeters at the front. But we have lots of people that you don't see in the background. I'm going to pick on my own team and say the tech team, which you probably do see because I make sure they're out there. But we also have people like maintenance, cleaning staff, event planners, admin staff, technical people, people delivering food throughout the week, people picking people up for church, people going out and making sure that the people that need help are getting it, people helping with moves, people writing cards. There are so many things that happen within the church that you will never see. Even if you're heavily involved, you will never see. But they need to happen and they're important. And if you're not stepping into those roles, they're not going to get done. Or at least not, wrought, not done properly. If you're not using your gifts or talents God has given you within and for the benefit of the local church, it's not just holding you back. It's holding the church as a whole back. Because somebody else is trying to fill that position, somebody else is trying to step into that role, or somebody else is overloaded in that role that needs assistance, and they're not getting it. They're like the apostles trying to run in the soup kitchen, and they're missing the Hellenists. They're missing a whole swath, a whole demographic of people, because they can't run it all on, them, on their own. They need you to step in and make sure that you're doing your part so that we can reach out and reach the people we need to reach. Make sure that we're connecting with the people we need to connect with. All right. Well, that was nice and rough. So, it's going to be really short today, but there's a reason. I want you to put what we just talked about and what I'm going to finish talking about into action. And I don't want you to go home and pray about it. Your calling's already there. You already know what your gifts and talents are. You already know where you can be put to use. And you, as you step in, your calling will grow. And that's fine. That's what we want to see. We want to see you start with something small and grow. But today we make the step to start with something small. So after service is done, we're going to do announcements still. Joel's going to give a benediction. I got a couple more notes. When service is done, all of our directors, we have nine directors and a bunch of ministry leads, they're all going to be in the gym. And they're going to be waiting for you to walk in there to ask the questions you need to ask, to say, hey, I can do this or I can do that. How can I help? What roles do you need filled that I can be a part of? Where can I get involved? They're there waiting for you. They're going to be there ready to answer your questions, ready to take your information. This is not a, that was a good message and go home. <laughs> this is a go act on the message right now. So if we can get the chart up. Oh, okay, there you go. I'm going to roll through that really quick just to give you, you may or may not be able to read it very well, but... I'm going to roll through really quick just so that you can see some of the stuff the church is currently doing. So we have nine director strands in this church, and under each of those strands we have ministry leads. So our nine director strands are evangelism, prayer force, new believers, hospitality and fellowship, Christian education, benevolence, church ministries, maintenance, and worship. I'm not going to read all of the ministry strands, but I'm going to highlight a few. All of those 
directors oversee everything and everyone under them to make sure that we are running efficiently, that spots are filled, that things are getting done. And I will tell you, every single one of those directors right now is overloaded. They do not have enough people. And if you look at the names on this chart, you'll see a bunch of names multiple times. <laughs> Part of that is, as people got involved, their ministry grew and their calling grew. Part of that is, they're a stopgap. We just need somebody to fill a hole. And good that it's getting done. But if you're the person that's supposed to be in that spot and you're not right now, that ministry is struggling without you. And when you get to heaven, that is not a good report and that is not one that I want to be saying, hey God, I was at church on Sundays. And then I kind of went home for the week. I didn't really do anything. I just kind of hung out. But I played a lot of video games. Or maybe I worked a lot. Or maybe I spent a lot of time with my family and none of that is bad. But if you weren't also doing the work that you're called to do, that's, that's going to be a problem. So a few of our ministries, we have media, which is a growing ministry. We're trying to get more and more engaged in our media department. We're trying to reach out on socials, trying to get live streams going. Live streams are going, trying to get them cleaner. We have sports outreach. We have special events. We have evangelism and outreach. We have the prayer chain which we've talked about recently. That's one that's really easy. Everybody in this room should be engaged in the prayer chain. It takes all five minutes. We have altar workers. We have a new believers course. We have a foundations course. We have s'mores, Acts 2.42, men's and ladies' nights out. We have the nursery. We have Sunday school. We have youth. We have young adults. We have missions here and abroad. We have communion. We have ushers. We have greeters. The way we're going, we're going to need parking lot attendants. We have cleaning staff. We have interior design. We have maintenance. Maintenance is a really nice big catch-all, isn't it? We have the worship team. The worship team not only covers the people you see on stage, but also all of the tech people in the background and all the stuff that happens throughout the week to get it ready. There are so many spots that need to be filled, and I know that so many of you are already filling spots. Let your calling grow. And if you're not currently involved, get involved. Show me that your faith is alive. Show me that your faith is not just some dead log floating through the river of life. It was a weird analogy, but it worked. Show me your faith is alive. Point to works that you are doing that God is clearly working through you in to see his kingdom come to be. All right. It is, let's see, 11.13. I can guarantee none of you have to leave before noon because you didn't know I was speaking. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. So we have, 
I'm never going to get to speak again. <laughs> so we have announcements. Joel's going to do a benediction. You have no excuse. Go in the gym. Talk with people. Again, you're already involved. That's great. Go talk with people. See what other needs are, are needing to be filled. There are lots of things, like the prayer chain, that is get a call, say a prayer. That is so important and takes hardly any time. All right. Uh, as a final reminder for you then, before Joel comes up, uh, getting involved in ministry is a great way to find a spouse. Ask my wife. <laughs> that's a bad example. <laughs> but that's kind of how it happened. I'm not Pastor Joel, but I just, I just want to say, I want to thank Nathan for, for the word. It's not, it was not an easy word, and you delivered it, uh, I know, in love. And even though there's, there's times where there needs to be instruction and righteousness, and, and at maybe at times a rebuke or correction, in love. And so I want to say thank you, Nathan, for the word this morning. It was good. It was good. It was, it's necessary, especially at this time. And he mentioned some of the needs that we have. Um, so get involved. And, for, and I want to say a thank you. Let me say a thank you for all of you that are involved at this point and the sacrifices that you make and the diligence. These, these are things that will be as we are in front of God or Jesus Christ, not, not at the white judgment throne. You're saved if you're saved. But the works that we do, it will, we, they will be tried in fire, and the things that were not that important will burn up. And, but that there would be things that will stand the test of, the, of fire, for the Lord wants to reward us. And that which stands the fire, the Lord says, will be like gold and silver and precious stones before him. The things we do now, the Lord knows and once again, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about the fact that the works that we do, as you mentioned very clearly, the works that we do are a testament of our faith. The other thing I, I, I want to, let me just, I want to just share one thing, like, and I want to emphasize this. The aspect of one person or the, the different things that one person allows for other things to take place. And I want to give an example. Yesterday, and this is not the first time this has happened, in the last two weeks, I have had the opportunity uh, to be together, and I'm never at church with a female and myself alone, unless it's my, my wife, my children, but I do not get together with women alone, because it doesn't look good. There's always someone else around. And I, that's purposely. In the last two weeks, I called on my mother, and she's sitting right over there, and said, Mom, can you be with me today because I have to interact with women. And I don't want to interact with women alone. And in the last two weeks, two weeks ago, 
because my mother was there, went to her place and met there with these other women, two other women, and was able to share the gospel. And there was such an, there was such an ease for this individual to come to the Lord. And I just say, thank you, Lord. The next, that next day, she, I think it was the next day or within the next week, she was here in church, not from the city. Yesterday, I get this, or I got a, a, a phone message, texted back this woman, and she said, listen, I have, my sister is dying. My sister is dying. Can you pray for her? And I want her to be ready to go. And so she came to the church, and I asked my mom again. I said, Mom, can you come and sit? Can you be with me? Yesterday, Carol gave her life to the Lord. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'll tell you, when she came in, on her face, I knew, hey, when you have cancer and the doctors are saying things and it's, there's this weight and this, this fear and there's a, the unknown ahead of you. So what's going to happen to me? To go to bed, she was struggling to go to sleep. She didn't want to die in her sleep. She wasn't ready. And this is what I'm talking about. Each part that we, each person doing their part for the edifying of the whole in love. Listen, I want to thank all of you that have some part to play in the church, whatever it may be, as, as, signif as significant or as extreme as it may be. Or you might just say, well, it's not that important. It is necessary. And I just say thank you, Lord, for all that is done here in the church. And so yesterday, just my mom being able to sit with me and minister to these, there was... There was four there that came. And there was an, an opportunity when Carol left. I said, hey, you're my little sister. We have the same father in heaven. You're my little sister. New sister that I have. And gave her a hug. She came in with, with this. I could see it on her face. The weight the, the, the anguish, the, the unknown, just on her face when she left, there was a complete change. And I got a text back that within two, three hours indicating that the, the, the fear was gone and there was a peace. There was a peace. And I say thank you, Lord, for the work to be done. It goes way beyond us. And it is about the church being built up, but it's also about those that have no hope to have a hope. There is a work being done. So today, as our brother admonished us and exhorted us, you would say, Lord, I'm going to do my part before you return. And don't ever allow Satan to say, well, I, you know, you're not that important. You are important, and God has gifted you either to speak or to minister in some way in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to call Joel if you just come.
Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.